Okay, our next uh, perspective on personality is a social cognitive perspective. Now, you might remember that in our history of psychology, we didn't actually talk about a social cognitive perspective. Um, and because we were talking about things in um, chronological and historical order, we went with the, um, the first name for this uh, perspective, and that was behavioral. Um, and so like the first person listed here on slide number 17, B.F. Skinner, you know him as a behaviorist, right? And that's how he knew himself. And that's what he was. Um, however, uh, people that came after him, uh, particularly Albert Bandura, uh, used the term social learning or social cognitive. Uh, that, and it broadened this perspective a bit, bringing in other things besides behavior, also cognition, thinking. Um, and so, um, so more frequently now you would see the term social cognitive rather than strictly behavioral. And so that's, you know, that's where this, uh, the name of this uh, perspective comes from. The other little strange thing about uh, this perspective is that, um, being in this chapter, is if you asked any of these people on this slide, uh, or any behaviorist or social cognitive theorist, about their uh, theories of personality, they would probably look at you strangely and think, well, what are you talking about? There's no such thing as personality. Um, and uh, because they don't really believe in personality, and they don't, so they don't really have theories of personality. So what do they do in, in a chapter on personality? Well, the answer to that is that essentially um, this is the social cognitivist's response to theories about personality. Um, yes, there are things that may seem like people are acting consistently, but they're not really. And so how do we explain that otherwise with regard to behavior and cognition and stuff like that, right? So, um, so to some extent, um, you might even think of uh, this whole perspective as generally critical of the idea of personalities, uh, of any personality theory. Um, but, um, but here, looking at how uh, we would account for some of the things that sort of would imply personality. I mean, like this. Um, uh, humans tend to think in terms of our own and other people's personalities, right? Um, we tend to think that other people have a certain consistency in their behavior. Um, why does that person do that thing? Oh, they're just like that. That's just what their personality is like. Um, or even, it's probably even more clear, if a person does something that seems to go against what we think of as their personality. Wow, that's not like her. She usually doesn't do stuff like that. That sort of implies um, that in our mind somewhere, we've got some sort of concept about how she usually behaves, right? And that that would be uh, some degree of um, consistency in our expectations about her behavior. Um, but notice, even in that example, that also implies that people do violate those things. Um, people do go against them. Um, we can be surprised, but, you know, people behave in ways that are inconsistent with our uh, impressions. Anyway, so social cognitive perspectives here are looking at some of the things that seem like personality, but this perspective is going to argue they're not really personality because there's really no such thing. Okay. <laughs> you ready? Uh, so social cognitive perspectives, starting with the behaviorists like B.F. Skinner. Okay, if you remember, um, any theory of personality, going back to the start of this chapter, uh, theories of personality are looking at internal, that is inside the person, uh, influences on behavior. If you remember, the behaviorists didn't believe there were too many internal influences. They thought that what influenced behaviors was 
um, things from the uh, the immediate the person's immediate surroundings, rewards, punishments, the person's history of being in similar kinds of situations in the past, um, you know, situational influence on things. Right, that's what the behaviorist thought, and um, and so for a long time, the behaviorist, going back to Skinner, didn't believe that there was such a thing as personality. They also they because they thought that behavior was much more influenced by external factors than by internal factors. And personality would have to be an internal factor, right? Um, the other thing is that um, the uh, behaviorists, uh, since they saw that behavior was influenced by situations and external factors outside of the person, they saw that those things could change a lot, and that um, from moment to moment and year to year, and that um, and so people behaved in very different ways at different times. So that the behaviorists would say that there isn't enough consistency in people's ways of behaving uh, in order to assume any sort of personality structures, right? That people's behavior just is really not that consistent. That's what they believed for a long time. So what did they have to say about personality? Well, the whole idea that um, that we do seem to behave in consistent ways, or at least in patterns, um, you know, Skinner would have no problem with that. Uh, he would explain that according to response tendencies. So if we go to slide 18, I'll come back to slide 17 for some other stuff, but just look at the illustration on slide 18. This is a very simple example of essentially uh, response tendencies. Um, <clears throat> notice that um, we've got a stimulus and a response. Uh, in this stimulus situation, in this example, you're at a large party, you know, don't know too many people. Skinner would say you have several different responses open to you to do, uh, and they're numbered here are one, two, three, and four. And there's probably more than that, right? But this is just an example. Uh, but in this example, four different possible responses that you could do. Skinner would say that the one of these that you do is largely going to be determined by what's happened to you in the past when you've been in similar kind of stimulus situations and what has worked for you before. Uh, so if you've had bad experiences in parties before, then you might uh, gravitate towards response number four and leave at the first opportunity. Well, guess what? Then the next time you encounter a stimulus situation like that, a large party where you know relatively few people, you're probably also going to go to that response tendency four and leave at the first opportunity. And so this would account for why people do tend to fall into patterns in their behaving and show some appearance of stability. However, the very important difference here is that uh, response tendencies are just tendencies. They're not. Um, uh, they're nothing that's fixed or um, or predetermined. They can change as a result of other experience. So let's say that you're in a stimulus situation where you're at a party and you tend to want to leave early at the first opportunity, but for some reason you don't. Uh, somebody keeps you there, and you end up having a good time. Um, well, that's liable to change your response tendencies for the next time, right? And so you're liable to, for a while, fall into a different kind of pattern um, because of differences in your individual experience, your experience in individual situations. Now, um, uh, this that example probably makes sense to you, but notice what it, how it's different than a personality theory. It's because uh, it's saying that while people's behavior can appear to kind of go in, um, uh, fall into patterns, it's not due to something inside of them. It's due to what's happened to them before, and that they're going to tend to stick to that pattern unless something else changes. But that it's not an internal personality thing, 
because it can change. It can change as a result of uh, other kinds of experiences. Right? So um, response tendencies. Um, if we go back to slide number 17, uh, Albert Bandura, um, Bandura's contribution, um, well, his main contribution that we talked about already in, uh, in the course was um, things having to do with observational learning. Uh, if you recall, Bandura was the one who did the studies with, um, uh, with the Bobo the Clown doll, where he had people beat up on a Bobo the Clown doll and had little kids watch the films, right? And, and the kids uh, who saw the adult get reinforced for beating up on the Bobo the Clown doll were more likely to copy that behavior themselves, right? Uh, observational learning. Um, Bandura says that a lot of what influences our behavior is observational learning, um, and that we learn by watching other people, and that those other people are referred to as models, right? And um, remember that what we actually learn in observational learning is essentially um, that um, if a person, if we watch a person engage in a behavior that results in some kind of consequence, we're assuming that if we engage in that same behavior, we would experience that same consequence, right? That's essentially what um, learning by watching is all about. Uh, of course, that greatly expands the possibilities for how people might have acquired uh, different kinds of ways of behaving, right? And that these aren't, aren't necessarily just things from inside them, like personality, but things that they've learned from observing other people. Bandura also talked about a um, uh, uh, a construct that he called self-efficacy. Uh, self-efficacy is essentially a person's belief in their own ability to deal with life's situations. Essentially, whatever life hands you, um, can you deal with it competently? And so people are going to have different beliefs in their own level of self-efficacy. You know, are you very, very uh, believe that you're very capable? So that somebody who is high in self-efficacy is liable to, you know, kind of have the idea, well, I don't really know what life is going to throw at me today, what I'm going to encounter, but you know what? I can probably handle it. I can probably manage it. Somebody who's low in self-efficacy is liable to think more like, well, I don't know what life is going to throw at me today, and what if I can't handle it? And what if there's not somebody there to help me with it, and what am I going to do? Right. Um, Bandura was pretty interested in people's beliefs about themselves in the area of self-efficacy, and he found that um, a person's belief, their self-efficacy, uh, was predictive of their success in a lot of areas. That may not surprise you, but um, but that people who uh, were higher in self-efficacy were more likely to be successful in school and jobs and love relationships and also uh, more successful um, in going through psychotherapy even, right? Um, and, uh, and part of the reason self-efficacy is mentioned here is because at first glance, self-efficacy can sort of sound like a personality characteristic. It can sort of sound like a trait that's going to be different in different people. But notice that Bandura defines it more in terms of a belief, a belief that a person forms as a result of their own experience with dealing with things in the world, so that um, by having successfully met challenges in the past and dealt with problems, that enhances or builds up our own belief and our own ability, so that um, self-efficacy isn't really a personality trait that's fixed. It's something that we um, uh, learn and can change as a result of experience. Um, the uh, last of the three uh, social cognitive perspectives is Walter Michel. Um, Walter Michel is the one person in this uh, chapter that people are probably most likely to just forget. Um, but to me, he's the most important one. Uh, 
Um, Michel did research where he tested out some of the assumptions that the behaviorists had had from way back. Remember going back to Skinner, the behaviorists believed that human behavior was not particularly significant, um, not particularly um, consistent, sorry, that we behave differently in different situations, um, and that it's influenced by external factors. Um, Michel, and they had assumed that for a long time, what Michel did was he effectively went out and tested that to see if that was actually true or not. And he found that it was. He found that the behaviors were right all along. Um, that essentially, people's behavior is going to be much more influenced by situations than by internal personality characteristics. We saw a lot of this in our chapter on social psychology. Remember, that was one of our major themes in that chapter, that people are liable to do things uh, act in certain ways because of the situation they find themselves in, not because of their internal personality states. Even though people will, at the end of the day, still continue to think of themselves in terms of personality traits, they're actually behaving in certain ways because of situations. And if um, uh, if Walter Michel were to follow a person around all day, uh, he would see them engaging in a lot of different kinds of behavior. So that even if the person believed themselves to be uh, shy or conscientious or truthful or um, careful, that you could actually find a lot of examples of those kind of behaviors and a lot of things that would go directly against them. Um, but at the end of the day, the person's still going to maintain this belief in their personality as being a certain way. So notice that um, that Michelle's research pretty much pulls the rug out from under personality theories overall, because our one of our basic um, assumptions of any personality theory is consistency. That is, in order to even talk about personality, people would have to behave pretty consistently across situations. And Michelle's uh, research indicated that they don't. Um, uh, and, um, and that humans' behaviors are, are very inconsistent. Now, to say that people's behaviors is, are inconsistent might sound kind of bad, I guess. Inconsistency we think of as a bad thing. Um, you might think of it, though, in terms of that be people's behaviors are flexible or people's behaviors are adaptable. That people, especially people who are psychologically healthy, are flexible in their behavior. They act differently at different times and in different situations according to the situation. And that's good. That's, um, uh, that's showing, you know, psychological health. Um, and so, um, so we shouldn't expect to see this, this level of consistency. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Um, Uh, so Walter Michel did try to um, uh, did try to put together sort of a personality theory related to this, uh, where he looked at um, interactionalism or interaction, interactionalism essentially interactions between a person and a situation, so that um, where certain personality characteristics might show up in certain uh, situations. However, it got to be so big and complex and so many different kinds of situations that ultimately you don't really have a personality theory there at all. Okay, if we move to um, uh, summary and uh, critical analysis of social cognitive perspectives, uh, slide number 19. Um, this perspective is the one that's most closely based on uh, scientific research uh, and close most closely tied to 
uh, research evidence. Um, so it does have the strongest scientific support for it. Um, it's the only one of the theoretical perspectives on personality uh, that really takes into the account takes into account the effects of learning that is a person's individual experience um, in life uh, and uh, environmental factors that is what happens in their immediate surroundings. Um, all other personality theories, if they include any of that at all, it's going to be just a little bit, and they're going to tend to focus on internal causes of personality. This one doesn't. It looks more at those external uh, things. Um, this is the only one of the personality perspectives that accounts for variability of behavior across situations. Um, uh, remember that most other personality theories are going to imply, they're going to predict that people's behavior is going to be pretty consistent, that they're going to, you know, if they are a confident person, they're going to show confidence in every situation they're in in their life, uh, which is not really what we see. Um, this is also the only perspective that satisfactorily accounts for changes in personality over time, that is over a lifespan. Um, most other personality theories uh, would, um, would seem to endorse the idea that uh, if you're a shy child, you're going to be a shy adult, right? You're going to have the same personality then later on. Sometimes they'll work in little ways that things can change a little bit into a personality theory, but for the most part, they tend to see it as personality is stable over time. We know that um, people don't behave the same way over their lifespan, and so this perspective is one of the few that actually accounts for some of those changes over time. When people um, criticize uh, social cognitive perspectives on personality, what they'll usually say is something like, essentially, that, um, uh, well, somebody said, I don't know who it was, I think it was a humanist, uh, said that, um, that the behaviorists, the early social cognitivists, uh, have taken the person out of personality, uh, in, in a sense, um, that they're looking at things uh, essentially too microscopically and missing out on the big picture, uh, kind of picking people apart into moment-to-moment -moment experiences and uh, not really looking at the whole of the person or something like that, right? So criticized for being fragmented and perhaps dehumanizing. 